You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Johnson. Johnson. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Once Upon a Time. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Once Upon a Time news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, it's After Buzz TV for Once Upon a Time. Hello, everybody. Um... It's not Jason Parsley. I know you guys are disappointed. He is, poor guy, on a cruise for, I think, a couple of weeks. Or no, about 10 days. So he will have no cell signal. He is floating somewhere in the Caribbean. And Mike Rothman here to take over. And actually coming to you live from New York City. I am joined by, guess who's back? Meredith Sebin. Hi. We missed her last week. Joined by her brother who lives up here in New York City. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Could you do your name? Jeremy Stebbin. And joined by none other than Michael Luton here. So, we have, this is going to be an interesting show. We have some mixed opinions on uh, this episode and the show in general. So, you guys uh, are in for a treat. Or maybe not. It's up to you. So, summary starts off. We see Prince Charming. Still forgot everything that's going on, and he's at a oh he's at home being a welcome home home party for his back to his wife. He's you know out of the hospital whatnot. He you can tell he's still kind of into Mary Margaret even though she's trying to stay away because he's married. And everyone's there, as always. Everyone's at every gathering. Even the evil queen, which is very weird. I've never gone to a party and seen the mayor there. She's there. She tells the wife, the blonde wife, who is feeling the disconnect as well, that she lost someone too. And, of course, they don't fill us in on that, and that's what we're all dying to know is how Snow White messed up the evil queen's life. But that's another story another time. So the prince leaves his own party, and actually goes to see Mary Margaret, a.k.a. Snow White, and says he's choosing her. So she again turns him down, which happens commonly for women. And then we flash, kind of a cool scene, we flash to the fairy tale world. And it's a sword fight between the prince. I know, all right, I know Jason last week, he tried something different, and what he did was he did straight fairy tale, straight real life. I didn't think it worked as well as going back and forth because they're kind of intertwined. So I'm going to do in my way, and you guys don't like it. <laughs> Tough luck. So we were a sword fight, fairy tale land. The prince is killing some brute, 
are fighting some brute that they say is unkillable. Very reminiscent of Brad Pitt in Troy. When in the beginning... No. Absolutely, yeah. You haven't seen it, have you? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. Okay. If, you, if you've seen the movie Troy, Brad Pitt, at the beginning, the very beginning of the movie, he's woken out of a slumber. He's a very, like, doesn't want to be the, the hero. And he goes to fight some, like, six-foot-seven Goliath beast and kills him in about five seconds. So very parallel. The prince kills this unkillable brute. And then we find out it was, like, like a test run, which is kind of ridiculous. No, it was an audition for the dragon slaying. You be gotta be a dragon slayer. You gotta fight this big guy who, his part, his only purpose is to die, to so the other man can prove himself worthy of King Midas's goals. Yeah, so ridiculous. He just this random guy just dies for. Well, for I, I think the, the prince's father and King Midas have set this whole thing up because the prince's father needs gold. King Midas is there to supply the gold, but there's a test. He has a dragon that he wants killed and slain. And if they kill the dragon, he'll give the prince's father the gold. At least that's a superficial thing. Later on, we find out he wants to marry his daughter off. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we dropped in there, you guys. We saw King Midas, which is kind of cool. He takes off his uh, metal glove and his hand's glowing. And was, is the story, is it just one hand or was it both hands? Well, he works for Goldman Sachs, I think. <laughs> uh, Lehman Brothers. And, yeah, it's one hand. Okay. Okay. So that's not as bad as I thought it was. Okay. So we get that, and then Prince Charming's father, I like the tie into Lost, is Charles Woodworth, who was the. Well, I don't think he was ever good or bad. He was pretty bad. Woodmore. Woodmore. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and he he's Charles Woodmore. Um, so obviously they're they're reusing character, recycling characters, which is nice. Or actors, and so we have that. We have the two kings. Exactly like uh, Michael said. And, well, things don't accordingly go to plan. So the brute actually was not dead, and he wakes up, stabs the prince with some ridiculous spear. It was probably like a foot in diameter. It was, it was like a spear trident. It was almost a trident. It had a very big head on it. It was a spear which grew other spears on the side, and it was ridiculous. So... The prince keels over, pretty much seemingly dead, and you're thinking, well, how can this be? This is bizarre. Uh, so everything's done. The deal's off because Midas wants a dragon slayer for his gold. And Rumpel, of course, comes in. And we find out that actually Rumpel gave the king the prince in the first place. The prince's wife couldn't conceive children. So, of course, Rumpel, Rumpel loves stealing kids. The king's wife couldn't conceive children, yeah. not the prince's. Okay, but Rumple just like loves to catch your kids, and and that's all he does, a lot of times. No. Yeah, he's a kid snatcher. Well, that's that's very common in just you know folklore and fairy tales in general. The concept of the changeling, the fairies coming in and uh, stealing one baby and either replacing it with another human baby to make mischief or replacing it with a, a fairy child uh, to raise on the rounds. So the whole motif of snatching children that's that's very worked into many fairy tales across a lot of cultures there. Okay, so we find out that happened, and Rumpel says he can still have the dragon slain for gold, but the, the, the prince is dead. There's not coming back to life. But in exchange for the dragon still being killed, which we find out is he's the prince of the twin brother, which is, real, is the real Prince Charming, 
And in exchange for that, he wants to, which you guys saw last week, which is crazy, or the week before, he wants to know where the fairy godmother is that we all saw in the first couple of minutes of two weeks ago killed off like that for Cinderella. So obviously, Rumple finds out because we saw her die in about five seconds of the show. So... You know what I thought was interesting about that was that he mentioned, uh, Rumpel mentioned that the fairy godmother was specifically attached to that king's house, to the prince's adoptive house. He said, a fairy godmother that's fond of your family or your family's fairy godmother. So she apparently has some connection to that house, um, which is interesting. We'll, we'll see if there's any anything like that. What, what it, uh, interests me about that is, you know, fairy godmothers like Prince Charming appear in many fairy tales. Um, the other fairy godmother other than Snow White is Sleeping Beauty, where at you know at Sleeping Beauty's birth, she's blessed by seven fairy godmothers, actually, and, and the, the eighth one is invited, and so she's the one who curses her. So that just made me think if Sleeping Beauty was going to be coming in, because that, that featured another royal family with their own guardian godmothers. Yeah, You, you guys missed it, because you guys just jumped in now for um, Once Upon a Time, but there was... Um, what was I going to say? With uh, Oh, there's another fairy godmother. It was a Pinocchio's, right? We saw the blue fairy, and the blue fairy has, we've always said, it's, it's, it's obscenely weird. She has these huge knockers. It's just, <laughs> it's, just uh, it's, it's, it's unnecessary, but every time she flutters in, yeah. she's got like a bustier on and like triple Ds, pretty much. But, uh, okay, so we, we flash back to the twin brother, and we find out, by the way, the terrible wig he's wearing, and uh, he's a goat herd. Yeah, he's a poor guy who has a mother, and he is just—he has no interest in doing anything but being a goat herd and being a good son to his mother and finding true love. And his mother says, "You can't have all, get what you want." Uh, a la Mick Jagger, and then opposite opposite of the ending of most fairy tales which most fairy tales do say you get everything you want and happily ever after so she's she's right off the bat saying you don't live in a fairy tale except he does yeah. very kind of interesting conflict there and yeah the mom's being realistic but and then he's sent off to the castle to pose as the dead brother because he's got to save the kingdom and the only way he can save the kingdom is marry Midas's daughter so he'll, so the king his supposed father will get all the gold, and all the bills will be paid, and the kingdom will be saved. So he nobly gives his mother a deer and says goodbye and goes back to the castle. We we don't see that yet. That we see that we see first. We see him luckily slay the dragon, and then he's got to marry. Oh, right, yeah. Right, 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 right. yeah, it was a very. It, it was kind of a cliche scene where I guess all the men. He obviously, of course, he wasn't supposed to fight the dragon because he's not a real warrior, and. Of course, being the noble man he is, he runs in after they're getting just destroyed. But then the dragon gets caught in between two skinny rocks, and he just chops his head off. What I think they were trying to go for there, and I'm not sure if they presented it that well, is I think they're trying to show that he actually used his, his goat herding skills there to slay the dragon. Because when you first see him, we see him, he's manipulating a goat into the pen. Uh, he is, he is, you know... He's tricking the goat into going where the goat wants, and he, I think he's supposed to have used those same skills on the dragon, those use of, of how to trick animals and how to make them follow you into enclosed spaces to then trick the dragon to a place where he can easily cut off its head because it's trapped in some rocks. And what we all were kind of thinking was, I was thinking, he, the dragon was like staring him down. Yeah, he's stuck. 
why didn't you just shoot fire and, and kill him? The guy was like right in front of me. He's like, you didn't see that coming. I was out of gas. I was, I mean, he, he, that was just simple. <laughs> so, yeah, so he used the ball as fire, and then obviously we don't see him, but Frodo Baggins had the ring on, so he was, he was hidden, invisible in the corner. Uh, so we flash back now to the modern time. modern time, and the queen warns Mary Margaret, a.k.a. Snow White, and says, do not ruin this guy's life. You know, she always plays, like, the reasonable person, but obviously she's got a motive. She doesn't want them together because they absolutely hate each other. And so, well, Snow White and the Queen hate each other. Apparently Snow White either killed or did something we we dying to know to the evil Queen's, like, love. It had something to do with the, daily, with the, with the reporter. The reporter? Not necessarily. No, the mirror. Or may have. That's the whole in the original Snow White story. The mirror was the thing that came between Snow White and the Queen. Ah. Sure, because the Queen looked into the mirror and said, who is the most beautiful woman? And the, and, and she, cause the, mirror, the mirror always told her she was. And one day when she was, I guess, reaching menopause, the, uh, <laughs> the, mirror, the mirror said, you're not anymore. Your daughter is. And that began that began the hatred between mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. Snow White is the is the symbolic daughter of the evil queen. So Snow White's the daughter. You know what that makes Henry? Henry is the great grandson of the mayor of the evil queen. Because the mayor, because the, the the evil queen would be the mother of Snow White. Snow White's the mother of Emma, and Emma's the symbolic. mother of. It may not be real in the story. She's the evil stepmother, but her, symbolically, she's the rivalry between mother and daughter. Okay. Okay. So, again, we flash back to modern times, and the queen does a nice little trick, says to go by Mr. Gold's shop, because the prince, a.k.a., was it, like, I don't even know, it seems so, it's so generic, it's James in the fairy tale world, David. David in, okay, David in the real world, he makes a plan, he begs and begs and begs, and this is kind of realistic when a guy or a girl begs someone to hang out and then finally they get what they want and they decide, I don't want it anymore. Like all married men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. please, please. And the second they get what they want, they he, their wives. He, be- he begs, 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 begs Mary Margaret to meet him at the where she found Something him. Something happened in that shop. He saw that windmill. Yeah. yeah. And that windmill made him remember something and that's why he di- that's why he dumped her well that's well that's what the queen knew she knew i guess the windmill was at their house and it flashed back all the memories of his m- being married to the blonde which i don't even know that her what's her name anybody know her name um, she's so irrelevant Catherine? Catherine? i think it was Catherine yeah. or elizabeth or something generic. yeah it's, it's she's irrelevant yeah she's she's his wife in real life and she's also King Midas' daughter in the fairy tale land, the blonde. Betrothed. It would have been his betrothed back in the... But I don't think they ever consummated that marriage. No. 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 Her name was Abigail in the old time. Abigail. Okay, okay. So... Can I just say, I think this is needlessly confusing. Especially since we're not using fairy tale names. If in the, the, the fairy tale time, storybook time, their names were like, you know, Lothlorien the Golden, I could see where you wouldn't want to translate them to the modern times. But if your name is James when you're a prince, do we really need to change it to David? Because then when we're talking, you're like David, James, Elizabeth, Catherine. Yeah. They're all such interchangeable names. So they should just kept them. I think the purpose of that is to show that we all the identity that we carry around and think is real is a completely false self. 
and that we have forgotten all of our magic selves. And perhaps that's why they have different names. David is a very common name, and Mary Margaret is a common name. And I think that they want us to see in our own selves that we, we've forgotten that we're magic and mythic people and that we get stuck in our stupid self-destructive patterns and we live such shallow soap opera in our everyday lives. Maybe that's the reason. Okay. So the prince remembers everything and then we flash back to fantasy land and the, the prince decides that he will marry... Abigail and interjecting. What we're saying, we've been saying like the prince remembers everything. It, it's not actually what happened. The prince has been given when he sees that windmill. Yeah, he's yeah. been he's been given false memories. Like his false memories have filled in from the curse. It's you know he's yeah, yeah. he's not really remembering the truth. It's he's being woven deeper into the curse by Mr. Okay. Gold. Somehow Mr. Gold has defeated his amnesia, and which was keeping him apart. He was the only one not. Everybody else had all these these stories that they'd been given to play, and he had amnesia. He didn't have his story. Well, I don't think it was Mr. Gold. I think the queen knew that that was in the shop, and she knew that he would have to go in Mr. Gold's shop. Now, this is the first time ever on the show, and you guys saw it. It's funny because you guys haven't seen the previous episode, which is I wish you'd seen. This is the first time that Mr. Gold actually seemed vulnerable. Didn't he seem a little sad in the shop? He was like, he wasn't as cocky, like, I, I, like, you kind of assume he knows what's going on, self. He seemed kind of vulnerable. He's like, oh, the mayor does that. Like, he's under her thumb still. Like, so he didn't seem like he's, if you guys have the previous episodes, he's always like, please, the mayor, psh, like nothing. And he was kind of vulnerable even when he's talking. They almost seemed like cohorts. Like well, they could be friends. It makes me wonder what the significance of that, um, the first item he touched when he walked to the shop, which was the uh, what is it, the mobile, he t- the mobile, and so it, um, I have not seen any of the episodes, but I'm just gonna yeah. go off some cliches. Yeah. If the windmill had some significance for him and like triggered his fake memories, maybe the mobile is some something like a unicorn right? memories. Yeah, it was. maybe that means like that represents fantasy, and he's like, no, thank you, he's not ready now to 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 get back into that, yeah. and maybe he's he's kind of now. His imagination isn't enough to, to get back in that, but he's ready to, to live his fake life with the blonde and go back to his married life, which actually isn't real. One more thing, which I almost hesitate to throw in there, but the windmill is, of course, very symbolic of fantasy in literature because of Don Quixote and the whole idea of you tilting at windmills, you know, imagining that Don Quixote, um, you know, he, he doesn't like his normal life. He imagines himself to be a great noble knight in a fairy tale, and he puts that into his own life, and so he charges at windmills thinking that they're giants on, like, Grease Grand Quests, and he's actually just a pathetic old man on a broken-down burrow with, you know, uh, a piece of wood in his hand, but he imagines himself to be this great knight. So it's kind of weird that the image of the windmill would then trigger this normal fantasy, as opposed to the windmill just normally represents a normal man imagining himself to be a knight. So we go to Fantasyland, and the prince decides he'll marry and he'll unite the kingdoms, and he, his mom gives him the ring that we saw weeks earlier. And it's funny, they do a flashback flashback, previous to another flashback, which is lost as to, to a T. And it's before Snow White ambushes them, which we saw her, her backstory, and steals the ring, and then actually meets the prince for the first time. So this is before the carriage was riding in the forest and something stuck in the road, and... Snow White ambushes and steals the ring, and they end up falling in love, and she, you know, she's pessimistic, blah, blah, blah. 
So that's where the ring comes from. And Meredith caught something, or someone caught something that we were watching it, that we flash forward again to the real world, and Mary Margaret, a.k.a. Snow White, is... She she ended up got she got tried as we mentioned earlier by um, David James whatever and he said he's gonna go back to the wife and do the right thing and she's spinning a ring I didn't notice but she's spinning a ring at like the bar or the coffee shop whatever it is and what, what did you say again it's it's the green ring yeah right the mother's ring yeah so she has that ring which is pretty still it gives us like hope I guess that kind of thing. She has the ring and she's spinning it. And the final thing we see, or you know, in that kind of in that order, is Emma catches the sheriff with the queen, and he's all disheveled, and they've just hooked up. And I guess Henry, which is just really grotesque, Henry's sleeping in the in the house while it's going on. But again, pretty common. And <laughs> but Snow White is doing something with the uh, reporter. Yeah. Because he said, "Can I buy you a drink?" Oh, that's that's a doctor. Is it a reporter or the doctor in the hospital thing? He he was he was David's do- he was the amnesia amnesiatic doctor. No, oh, he's a doctor. No, well, the funny thing is, he said she says something very seductive to him at the end. He said, "Can I buy you a drink?" And she said, "You can buy me two, which is oops, which is a seductive comment because everybody knows how you feel when you take the first sip of that second drink. The person you're sitting next to looks pretty good. <laughs> so I think that there was a seductive aspect to that comment. Oh, I thought it was the... the remember the... The mirror. Remember the, no, the, 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 the mirror is a, is a black guy. He's a, he's in a, he's a, he's a type... He's, a, he's like a... He's, no, he's, he's an actor... He's, he looks kind of like a Cajun. He was. He's been. In, he's been in other shows like Bones and some other shows. He's, he's a pretty good actor. No, the the guy that's getting the drink is the doctor. Remember where they were having dinner at the diner and he was like checking out Red Riding Hood's butt, like when she was serving and she's like, "Are you serious?" Like during dinner, he's like, he's like, it's kind of a scumbag, the doctor. And so he like kind of comes clean. I'm sorry, whatever, and he apologizes. And he's working his way back into you know. So obviously they'll start dating again as a rebound, you know, whatever. So that's what that is. All right, so let's get to our summary over. That's pretty much it. Uh, kind of a, I mean, we need those backstories, but a little, little bland. Let's get to our, you know, our key points we want to kind of expand on. The first one is what I just said. I think the Snow White Prince episodes are a little slow. I know we need them to appreciate um, the great episodes that we had. I think last week was amazing. And, and Jeremy had a good, good point, too, that I never really realized... It's almost like a relationship. When you guys, when you break up, you harp on all the good times. You forget about the bad times. I said, you know, I'm sure Lost had a bunch of slow episodes, and he. You have some very. Yeah. Good that, relationships. No, that's that's how true is that? When you're t- when you're cons- cons- you know confiding in a friend or helping a friend out, you always say, well, "Remember how bad they were?" And they were like, "Well, no, this one time we hung out, it was a great trip." You always harp on the good stuff. That's what keeps you coming back from more. Otherwise, if you were logical, you would get out like immediately. You, you wouldn't like stay be like, oh, that one, the one time that she said this was, or he said this. So you're talking about toxic relationships where you constantly overemphasize the good things. Okay. They drag on forever that like, you're like, okay, we should have gotten out. That's why you need an unbiased party to come in there and be like, look, we'll think about all the bad times. Because you, you really don't do that. You harp on all the good times. I feel like you're, you're asking for an intervention or something. No, no I'm not. No. So, but you brought in, you said Lost had a bunch of bad episodes. I mean, we look at the whole series, and it's still, is, I, you know, very fairly new, but a great series that just ended. And, yeah, you said... 
Uh, I said Lost had plenty of good episodes, plenty of bad episodes. The good ones, in my opinion, outweighed the bad. Um, you know, it, I, I tend to look at shows over the course of a, a season uh, rather than individual episodes. Uh, it's, you know, maybe in an age when we can buy an entire season on a DVD or you download the whole season, watch it a night. But that's almost kind of the unit that I, I view shows in now. So a single episodes are almost kind of like blips on my radar. I can I can picture them almost as like a slow moment in, in, in a movie rather than, you know, something that really throws me off. Well, we need we need those backstories to get to the exciting episodes. And again, you know, and like I said, I, I didn't I like the fact that Rumpel showed a different side. He wasn't as cocky. He didn't look as scary in this episode either. Normally, he's really freaky looking. Yeah. Well, I think in the fantasy line, he's still kind of creepy. Yeah, creepy as he normally does. I think he just looks sad at the end of the episode. When it, 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 as Mr. Gold, as Mr. Gold, he looked sad. He was like, "Yeah, she does." You know, I don't know. That's just kind of what I thought. Maybe well, I can say this for predictions, but something about they brought in that once you lose the person, so maybe the queen's love isn't gone. That he's never the same. They alluded to that about, and, and they, when the queen was talking to the blonde Abigail, she was like, yeah, "Well, he's still my husband, but he just—he's not the same." And the queen goes, "I understand. You know, it's—it was never the same." And she kind of mentions to her, so maybe her love is still alive. We thought she—he was dead. Maybe he's still alive. I got the impression he was dead because in that same conversation he goes, she goes, oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, yes, but my love is one that will never come back. So the way she said it, it sounded very permanent, even in a fairy tale magical world. I'm just hoping it's Rumble Stills and I'm putting it out there. That would be amazing. If she's like, oh, he's feel like a normal guy. And then he turned this like creepy leprechaun kind of cursed magic casting person. But that's just my future dream. Um, so, all right, let's get to our next point. Um, you had a really good, or you had a really good point about about uh, tampering with classical myths, you know, for good or for bad. And, and you mentioned uh, Wicked, right? Well, I think Wicked was the big, was one of the b- biggest successes, in which the classic myth of the Wizard of Oz, which no one has really messed with for years, a prequel, the witch, why she turned bad, uh, it messes with the classics. But that's what every generation does when it looks back. That's what remake movies are about. And uh, Wicked was the first uh, Broadway play and now movie to change uh, to change the con- the consciousness of the people as to what happened in the original classic. That's become a major theme in television now, and that's go- sweeping through television. And you'll see it on every channel. Everybody will do this now, and it's probably going to be successful. Because that it gives you some sort of clue and insight into why things happened the way they did. I myself are in, I'm very annoyed by messing with the classics, and I don't think you really need to do that. I think it's a lack of imagination to it. Although I did like, and I said this before, I like the conceit of this, in which the story is telling us that we're all trapped. It's not really a curse. We're cursed by our own self-destructiveness. But we're trapped in the idea that our lives are real and that we've forgotten how great and noble we are. I think that's an excellent point. I don't like the writing here. I think it's very soap opera-like. But I think it's a tremendous, excellent point to leave with the audience with. Um, so wait, did you not like it when Walt Disney did it, when he messed with the classics and all the Disneys? I mean, because essentially all the all the Disney movies took 
you know, the original Hans Christian Andersen and Grimm fairy tales and totally messed with them and retold them. Not to mention that they themselves were, you know, depending on who you ask, whether they were original tales, but, you know, or reworkings of folklore that had been, you know, constantly changing through the years. I mean, you look at stories like Red Riding Hood and, um, you know, there's not just pre-Walt Disney and post-Walt Disney. There's many versions as you go back through the years, which, you know, get often bloodier and more disgusting and, and more... Uh, the whole happily ever after is a very, very modern invention. I mean, the, the original Snow White ended with the, the queen, you know, dancing around in red hot shoes, burning her feet forever. And, the you know, the little mermaid ends up dead on a beach. So I just find that comment very ironic that this is a new thing. It's true. I think it's true that uh, myths evolve over the time. Uh, and I think that every myth is really, if to make any kind of statement or last in a amount of time and it has to tell us something about ourselves. I think the Snow White story, uh, my understanding of it is really what I said before. It's about the jealousy of a mother who's getting older when her daughter is becoming beautiful and desirable. And the daughter can't deal with that. So in our, in our modern story, she, Snow White flees into the woods but because she's never dealt with the mother, she lives with people who, whose development is arrested. She hangs out with these guys who, who you know, she dates a lot of losers. They're all, and they're all single bachelors in a bachelor pad. Right. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, and their development is arrested. But the longer she goes without confronting the Wicked Queen, the uglier the situation gets. That's why the Wicked Queen turns up so ugly. And in taking the apple from her, she accepts her mother's wish to kill her, and she accepts the evil that her mother has in her that is also in her by eating that apple. She accepts that she too has a dark side. And only at that moment can the girl Snow White die and the woman wake up and end up with a real man and leave the guy with the arrested development. That's just my you know, look at it. Oh, that's amazing. So, so I guess what you're saying is maybe uh, the different versions of that have sort of shared that same generational gap one way or the other, whereas um, maybe you're saying that the versions they're doing now are, are using the same stock characters without paying attention to the actual themes that have remained constant in the folklore throughout hundreds of years. And I think that's what you were saying, Jeremy. I think you were saying that uh, it was unnecessarily complex. And when, when I heard that Geppetto was involved, in it, I was expecting Elvis in, in the next moment. Well, you, know, we, we, you guys, last week they had the uh, backstory of community cricket. Oh. And we we had well, we we had talked. Sorry, I missed that. Well, it, it was good, and we had talked about. It was funny because we had talked about it. You bring up you know the bloodier and the gorier. Jason did a little research. Um, it was probably gliding along, eating a buffet right now. <laughs> but Jason did a little research that was great, and he found out the original Jimmy Cricket died like in the first scene. He was yeah. killed by like a mallet from like that evil kid who is Pinocchio, <laughs> and that uh, eventually he ends up being like a ghost that haunts. Um, Pinocchio and, and gets him to become a better you know, person. More of a guilty conscience than like a happy singing conscience. And I like how some of these deeper ones that you guys are bringing up, they all kind of relate to real stuff. Like the, the mother-daughter, the guilty conscience, like the, the, you know, the, the irritable you know, bratty kid is, you know, that or um, I'm sure Red Riding Hood, we can go off for, for days about how, what that means. I mean, it just, it, I think they're taking a hybrid, and again, this, this episode was very just building the backstory. It wasn't a lot of action, but I think they're taking a lot of 
mixing the new with the old, maybe like a hybrid of it. They're trying to put a little bit, like I said, Rumpelstiltskin is kind of a creepy character. And I had talked to the actor who plays Jiminy Cricket, um, and then actually he wasn't in this episode, but in the in the modern time, he's a psychiatrist who treats the little guy Henry, and um, which is kind of funny. He, uh, I had talked to the, the actor Raphael Sabarge. So is Henry going to turn out to be Pinocchio? No. Uh, well, I don't. We don't. We're not sure of anything. It's it's a writer from Lost. I mean, if Snow White gave birth to Pinocchio, <laughs> I'm giving up my American citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he had said Raphael Sabarge had said that who plays uh you know Jimmy Cricket. He said that we had touched this last week, which was really clever. He said that um well not clever, he's just true. He went to his school, you know, his kid's school, and and, and some of the parents were like, "I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think we can watch your show because that Rumpelstiltskin's kind of scary for my like, you know, five year old or six year old. It's a little creepy, getting them nightmares, you know, with the little voice and everything, and you know, it's it just a, uh, it's it's a mixed bag, you know. I, I think it it still keeps you wanting more, which is the main goal, and I do like, I I know there's gonna be a you know a better story next week or the week after. No, I enjoyed it. You didn't enjoy it? I thought it was boring, this episode. Just this episode, yeah. though. Previous episodes I liked. Yeah. Yeah. I think I appreciate the stories that get you there. And again, just like Jeremy said, 100% I agree. When I watched Lost, I would download, because like, I caught up late, like everyone, you know, lot, like a lot of people do. And I would download three or four episodes at a time, and I would just run through them for two hours with no commercial, whether I download on iTunes, whatever. And in that kind of realm, you don't realize, I'm sure it's good or bad, fun, you don't realize if there's a bad episode. You're, you're just building this longer bridge. And it's just, it's true to life. Like, there's some days where you just kind of do nothing and go see a movie, whatever. So, I think you bring up an interesting question about whether you can write a uh, TV show now more for the DVD case than for the weekly audience. Or where you have to do both, you just in terms of writing where and pacing. You know, you have to keep them coming back uh, week after week. But I think people are more aware these days that, you know, people will be viewing these as like very long movies in the end. Yeah, that's the problem. We can talk on this for hours, which we won't. But that's the problem with the Internet, you know, changing everything with shows. And it's it's tough because a lot of good shows are probably getting canceled and a lot of bad shows maybe are going on. We don't know what, you know. But, again, the whole the whole culture has changed. So that's something for the producers to worry about, I guess. But, um so we're going to move into our segment that we picked up. And again, this will be a mixed bag because some people will like this. Some people won't. Uh, e online reported that, uh, I guess it was from the mouth of Jennifer Morrison, which is, you know, obviously Emma Swan. She said that they're trying to get her in talks with her. Or there was some kind of rumor, whatever, no matter what it is, rumor or not, it's pretty interesting. Joanna Garcia, and you'll know her from like Reba and other shows. And she looks just like her. Um, they really want her to play Little Mermaid. And, you know, this is from E! Online. I think it's like a week-old report. And she looks just like, I mean, she's got the, the reddish hair. I mean, you know, very similar. Uh, and they had, it was just kind of cool, they had a picture gallery of who they'd want to play different upcoming characters. Uh, what did you guys think of that as far as, I mean, you made a comment about her. She does look like her. With her well, she's got red hair, and she's got that very kind of youthful Pixious, mischievous face. So, um, and uh, she's very petite, which I guess is what I always pictured the Little Mermaid as being. And, and, and Meredith, you mentioned that it'd be kind of how could they possibly have? The Little Mermaid isn't a grim fairy tale, right? 
or is it? I, I believe it's originally Hans Christian Andersen that we know it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super expert on this, so I couldn't even be sure whether all the people we've seen are definitely all from Grimm or some are from Hans Christian. Um, I want to say Rumpelstiltskin uh, is not Brothers Grimm. I want to say that's either Hans Christian or some other general folklore. Um, so it, it seems to be now, at this point, a mishmash of, of folklore and fairy tales. Yeah, by Hans Christian, 1836. Yeah, even yeah, even even Pinocchio, we think of as a, a Disney character, but he was in there. Jimmy Cricket's in there. I mean, I don't think of Pinocchio as like a grim, even though maybe he. It, it, there was a book. There was a book, I believe. And it was like it wasn't like a span. I think well, obviously Jason had yeah, it was like an Italian book, yeah, and it was obviously a lot darker. So they're obviously just mashing everything together. How they'll do it. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some kind of lake or whatever. She's probably going to be like a librarian in the modern day. I, my prediction, she's a lifeguard at the local pool. That would be nice. <laughs> and she has to give uh, Henry mouth to mouth as he, uh, a la Sandlot, as yeah. he fakes his uh, drowning. Exactly. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see who they, they keep adding on as we go along on all these fairy tales. And I, you don't want them to be stuck with one genre. I'd like them to... to Tying all these cool fairy tales that we've seen, you know, throughout the you know the years, and we've kind of been into. So that's my little piece. Anything, anything else? Is that? Yeah, I'd like them to kind of address, and you could see where they could start to go with this. Where uh, we've seen in the past him marrying cat or going to marry Catherine, and then running Snow White. But Prince Charming, you know, has essentially had three wives. He, he, Cinderella, Snow White, and Sleeping Beauty all had their Prince Charming. It's like, is it the same Prince Charming? Well, well we, we actually established in earlier episodes, there's, yeah, they're friends. There's, there's multiple Prince Charming. Okay, <laughs> so it's probably James and the other one's probably uh, Jeremy. <laughs> you're, you're another Prince Charming. But yeah, they're like they're like they're like neighboring kingdoms and they're friends and yeah. No, I think Prince Charming is a Mormon in Utah. <laughs> it's a sister wife. So now we will break it into our last segment predictions. All right, I have one. Uh. And now you're after Buzz TV predictions. First thing I want to say is E-Online was bragging about how they called Little Mermaid with what's her name. I want to say brag about how I've been calling for weeks that the sheriff is Big Bad Wolf. I mean, we saw a preview, I think, at the end of the episode where there's a wolf howling and they splash the sheriff and someone's going to lose their life. I don't know what that means. I mean, they kill someone off or not. But they're obviously alluding to he's the Big Bad Wolf. And Meredith can attest to the fact I've been saying this for how long? For a while, although I don't know if he is. Don't take don't take my moment away from me. I agreed with you earlier, but now I'm not sure. Who's, who's the big bad wolf, Henry? No, I don't know. What made you change your mind? I think it's too obvious. It's obvious. It's not obvious. Don't don't take away my thunder. Don't take away my thunder. Uh, that, that's what I want to see. That's that's my prediction. That next week we're going to find out his story, and he's under. I think aside from the, the hooking up with the queen, he's under her thumb somehow because she kind of controls. Something's going on. He did something in real life to get, you know, obviously, maybe he's like did a crime in another neighbor, or in the, the curse. He did a crime somewhere else and she took him in like harbor, whatever. I don't know. We'll see some kind of convoluted story, but I'm, I'm interested to be back, Big Bad Wolf. I do like how in Grimm that they make him 
not a complete bad guy. So I'm kind of seeing a parallel here that he's obviously not a complete bad guy. Maybe he has like an urge, like almost like a vampire to kill, that kind of thing. Uh, Jeremy, prediction? Yeah, so I've only seen one episode, so this is totally coming out of nowhere. But um, So I want to make a prediction on who the Queen's lost love is. And uh, I know it's hard to do this because obviously we're finding out that all these fairy worlds are intertwined, they're running into each other. But um, my prediction is that it's the Huntsman in the tale of Snow White. Just because uh, when I thought of Snow White, you know, the male, only males I can think of are the seven dwarves. I can't see her falling in love with one of the seven dwarves. Prince Charming, um, there's always kind of an unnamed, unspoken king, um, you know, possibly Snow White's father, but that was too distant. And then there's the huntsman who she sends out to kill Snow White, or she sends Snow White out for to bring back her heart. And, of course, the huns, huntsman ends up, uh, you know, feels bad for her, and he kills a pig and brings her back a pig's heart, which fools her for a time. And so... Um, um, my guess is that somehow this this rugged huntsman who was her henchman, her her right hand man, her doer of dirty deeds, uh, was possibly also her her paramour, her love maybe, and that somehow uh, this is the lost love. That's just my guess. Be like played by Liam Neeson. Yeah, that could work. Okay. Right. Or Christian Bale. You guys are saying how much you loved him in Batman. So, uh, Meredith. Well, if in fact the sheriff is the big bad wolf, I would like to see Little Red Riding Hood. From the diner, the little slut. <laughs> I I like to see her. She was in an episode this week. You want to see her get like skinned or? No, I just I want to see how maybe she is also sleeping with the sheriff. Didn't we say that a few weeks ago? Yeah, like some type of love triangle. You never know. And Michael, I think the triangle is between the wicked queen, the mayor. Snow White and Snow White's father, whoever he is, because he will symbol he will he'll be symbolized by the Huntsman, because in the Snow White legend, the father is too weak to confront the mother under her jealousy of Snow White. So I think that whoever whoever the Queen has lost is the father of Snow White. Yeah, we we don't see Snow White's backstory. Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. We 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 know she's like pessimistic, doesn't believe in true love. Maybe has something to do with the Queen and. You know, that could be interesting. I also want to say, if this guy is the big bad wolf, then I want three little pigs. That would be nice. Who, who would the three little pigs be? I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. So that's our show, ladies and gents. I know you guys are begging for Jason. He'll be back next week. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. 